2: Well, hello there, everyone. Welcome to Paranormal Science. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Mark Kyes, and I'm Stan Zurich. Ed and Joe Hawk are off tonight, but uh, we hope to have them back next week. They're they're both out working tonight. Yes, they are, and uh, I'm here. My cold, my summertime cold. So if anybody hears me sniffling or coughing, uh, excuse me for that. <laughs> it's it's a tough year, I tell you, for colds and congestion. A lot of pollen in the air. I, I, maybe that's it. I don't know. Well, Stan, uh, interesting night last night. I know that uh, we've talked about uh, strange sightings over northeastern Pennsylvania before, and and I told the story of a trip that I took to Massachusetts where I saw these red, uh, large red balls in the air making absolutely no sound. About a string of five of them came down the coast, went out over the ocean, and then another string of about five went over the ocean. No noise at all. No noise whatsoever. I thought uh, perhaps helicopters or something like that in formation, and uh, I was anticipating hearing the, the propeller noise, but nothing. There were no, no sounds at all. Well, last night, I'm standing on my back deck, and sure enough, coming over uh, the uh, Factoryville area out there by Keystone College, I saw this string of uh, red lights coming down. There were only three of them that I saw, uh, but uh, I don't know if there was anything before uh, I had noticed these three, but uh, the same type of lights and absolutely no noise again. Just a red glow, no noise. Yeah, just uh, like a large uh, red ball of light. And uh, the only thing I could say is earlier that day I did see some activity. I don't know if it was the National Guard or who, but uh, some some vehicles traveling southbound on 81. And uh, there's been some, some activity at the airport with yes, some aircraft sir, coming in. So yeah. I'm, I'm still kind of guessing we're probably dealing with some military aircraft of some sort. But uh, I find it just amazing whatever they have in flight is making absolutely no noise. Silent. Now, how fast was it moving? Oh, you know, not very fast. Probably, you know, the speed of a helicopter. Mm. I seen something about
3: three weeks ago. And I remember I was talking uh, to Bob, our good friend. Bob Shorts about it. And uh, what it was is I was talking to a friend, and it was about sundown. We were watching the sunset. And between two clouds was a dot. Best way I could describe it. A golf ball, perfectly round, black dot. Didn't think nothing of it. It was just stationary, just there. Hmm. Sun start going down As soon as the sun Hit the horizon This thing took off Just shot straight down Straight shot down Straight really? down hmm. And gone Like a bullet though It wasn't like Like lowering down Like, like right. a balloon You would think Would lose air Coming down This just was just here One second And you could just see it go down It was it
2: But it was there A good 3-4 minutes Wow yeah, yeah, so, well, some interesting stuff going on here. Maybe yeah. we could talk about that in a week or two on the show. Maybe. And uh, see if anybody else has some some knowledge oh, of that. i uh, sure there's a lot out there. Yeah, but uh, I, I want to uh, you know remind everybody that coming up Saturday, July 23rd, uh, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. is the Summer Holistic and Mystical Fair in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania. And admission for that to the public is only $3. And 100% of that is donated to the Women's yeah, Resource Center. So it's a great cause. It's practically free to get in donation. Yeah,
3: that's nothing you go there.
2: And uh, there's going to be a lot of vendors there, um, psychic mediums, uh, all kinds of holistic um, practitioners. We're going to be there. Uh, We'll have a paranormal science and uh, the Pennsylvania Paranormal Association table set up and uh, can come out and talk to us. So we hope to see you there. And Stan, we have another event coming up after that.
3: Yes, we do. Uh, The East Coast Paracon is doing a little bit of volunteer work. We're helping out a young lady from Bear Creek. She's 11 years old, she has epilepsies, she has uh, a large amount of medical conditions, and she's had several brain surgeries, and the family can really use some help with this. And what they're doing is, they're gonna be holding a bingo down at the Wooksbury Township Fire Hall at one o'clock on Sunday, July 31st. It's $20 for 20 games, so that's a dollar game. There'll be raffles there, there's uh, All kind of events going on. There'll be food, drinks, not alcohol that I know of, just, you know, you want (laughs) water, you want soda, fine. Okay, that's on uh, Sunday, July 31st at the Wooksbury Township Fire Hall. It's a benefit for Lila. And anybody that's been with us for a while, they've heard us talk about
2: Lila and Lila's lollies right yeah so that's who we're benefiting there and she's just such a, a beautiful young girl and 11 years old I'm, I'm told she has like up to 10 seizures a day mm-hmm. and uh you know really really a tough time and a lot of medical expenses so we're happy to go out there and support her and try to uh, help the family out and uh you know we hope to see people there come on out you can see the uh, the ppa paranormal science and east coast paracron crew all we'll right be there. All
3: there we'll be we'll be handing out the cards i think uh
2: hawk will be calling the numbers I think he's going to be the bingo caller. Excellent. Yeah. It'll be a good time. So we hope to see everyone out there. All right, tonight uh, I'm, I'm kind of excited to get to our guests. Uh, they've uh, both uh, had the opportunity to interview me. I guess the you know the uh, the opportunity was uh, or the pleasure I'll say was mine to be interviewed by both of them for uh, particular television type of projects that we worked on. So we kind of flipped it around and they're in the hot seat tonight. All right, and uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna get them on here and. Uh, Jen Gazelle is one of the first um one of the first producers that we worked with on The Haunted and she also worked on a show called Paranormal State that a lot of people mm-hmm. are probably familiar with and uh John worked uh, on a great TV show is MTV's uh, show called Made. Most people might recognize that show from MTV. And, uh, he also has a family who endured a haunting down in New Jersey that we went down to help on. And, uh, John was with us and, uh, Jen actually was there as well. And, uh, he's got some insight on, uh, you know what it's like for a family to go through hunting and to be there to see from a different perspective how a paranormal team works so we got them both right here john and jen welcome to the show welcome john and jen
1: hey thank hi, you very you much mark and stan we appreciate you having us on
2: the show oh absolutely and uh you know jen i gotta say uh you know uh, Personally, you were my favorite uh, producer to work with on The Haunted. I'm not just saying that because your boyfriend's paying me to say that. I, I <laughs> honestly mean that. Um, you know, it, Thanks, it was uh, a, a great experience uh, from my side. We worked with a few different producers over the course of a couple years. And, um, you know, each producer is a little bit different. And essentially, there's a lot of questions that producers ask. And um, your style just was very uh, fitting for. For me and John uh, you had the opportunity to interview me for uh, another project and uh, you know equally great Uh, you're a lot of fun um, you know just to let people know you're also a stand-up comedian and John's got a great personality (laughs) (laughs) well thank you very much so Jen it was uh, was our pleasure
0: yeah absolutely I always loved working with the PPA and um, yeah it's it's been it's been great knowing you guys over the years
2: oh well thank you and uh, Joe Hawk wanted me to uh, to tell you guys uh hello unfortunately he is tied up on a project and uh can't get in here tonight but uh he he apologizes but wanted to say hello
0: and then we we never catch back up with joe hawk i've been talking uh, about joe to, to john here for for a while now and he still hasn't gotten a chance to to talk to him or meet him
2: if anybody knows joe he is one tough dude uh, to nail down he's, he's always <laughs> on the move somebody's
3: always looking for him he's busy <laughs>
1: I've been hearing stories for uh, what seems like years now. So one of these days, it's going to
2: happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, he, he definitely had a, a unique role uh, with, with our team, which we'll, we'll get to a little bit. But, uh, Jen, I want to start ladies first. And uh, you you had the opportunity to work on a show called Paranormal State and then uh, The Haunted after that. Prior to any involvement in this, what was your take on, on the paranormal? Were you kind of a believer, or a non-believer, just sort of right in the middle?
0: Yeah no I'll tell you I was I was uh, a skeptic um I had grown up uh catholic so um, that that sort of goes hand in hand with, um, a healthy skepticism, I think for, um, the spiritual world. And, and I don't know, anyway, that was the way that I was raised. Um, so I, I didn't know what to think. Um, but I was, you know, Hey, let me try working on this show. Um, sounds like a neat concept. And I, I was really blown away. Um, my first experience, um, on set on, you know, we would call it set, but we, on location, um, for one of these stories, and, you know, we were up in rural Maine. Um, Lorraine Warren came in as an expert on that on that case, Wonderful. and it was just out, out of control. I mean, um, she was warning me to not go into this house, and, and I have to tell you, I, I don't think I've ever been anywhere that felt as like negative as this place where Lorraine was, you know, sort of warning the whole crew, like, don't, don't go in in this house. Yeah. Um, So I I started off with a bang, let's just say it was like, oh my goodness, this is, this is crazy. This is so different. And, um, and then I had another amazing experience while I was still up there in Maine, Meeting with these Native American elders um, from the Penobscot tribe, and they sort of talked to me about um, like the more native spiritual, um, you know, theories and like the you know their their practices and traditions, and um, I learned about saging and just kind of trying to hone in on, on your environment and, and kind of what signs you're seeing. And, and that was so cool and eye-opening. So, um, so, that was so, so those are some of my early paranormal state experiences. And I'll tell you what, they, they turned, changed my mind very quickly. And um, I started just opening my, my eyes and, and opening my mind and saying, okay, there's, there's something to this connection with, uh, with, with the other side or, or the spiritual world
2: yeah and you know it's really tough for a lot of people to understand that who don't witness things firsthand um you know we kind of joke and say you know a a skeptic is only a skeptic because they haven't had an an experience yet and uh, you know it's really interesting and i i love the skeptics uh when we go out to an investigation and they always say, listen, I absolutely don't believe in this, and I, I never would have ever thought I'd be calling in a team. I wouldn't believe it if I didn't see it for myself. So we know they're really, truly, legitimately, you know, experiencing stuff when we get called by those type of people. But they really have quite a turnaround after they go through something themselves. Sure. And, uh, you know, there's a lot that just isn't explainable out mm-hmm. there.
0: That's the thing. That's the thing of it, right? And if you're not, yeah, experiencing it or face to face with it, you can definitely go through life. I'm sure, you know, thinking it, it's not a thing. It doesn't exist. But yeah, once you're, once you're experiencing it, you you're kind of have to open your eyes. I think.
2: So you know you were pretty broken in by the time you got to The Haunted, but uh, you had come out and worked on a, a show or a, an episode local to where we are in the Scranton Wilkesbury area, the uh, the Blakely Insane Asylum. And uh, if I remember correctly, going back, uh, you came in with uh, another producer, Alex, doing uh, like a, a pre-walkthrough of the place, uh, tried to even determine whether or not to use the episode and, and you had a bit of an experience there uh, with the cameras, right?
0: I, you know, I'm trying to think because this is a while back, and we had quite a few experiences on like many of these shoots. Um, do you remember, Mark, was it like where the cameras going on the Fritz or something like that? Because that happened quite a few times. So it could have been that.
2: Yeah, um, I, I remember um, talking about. Uh, a brand-new battery pack, I guess, walking in uh, with a fresh uh, camera and within seconds of trying to record just going dead.
0: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, 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 yeah. We would have things like that happen a lot on these shows. And I did another one. Actually, I also did um, Psychic Kids a little bit, and I was out working with the kids in the field. And I would say, like, all three of those shows, um, very strange Things would happen with the cameras, like things that you you can't explain or wouldn't expect. You to, yeah, like like you're mentioning the the battery packs dying, um, just weird stuff like that, where there this one camera just isn't working, and you, there's no reason for it. You know, things like that. A um, lot of audio stuff. A lot of audio you know static mics hitting um just and you have these you know as you remember um these audio engineers who have this mixer with them the entire time and it's their job to just be listening and working with the microphones and boy did they have their work cut out for them in in those yeah in those you know haunted locations um or you know places where people were having experiences
3: Shit. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Stan. Okay, Jen, uh, you mentioned your, you go out with a full, you know, your full crew. Did they ever uh, decide they don't want to do this anymore? Like you saying, strange things happen. you ever have them run?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so this first place I was describing in Maine, um, where Lorraine Warren told us, don't go back in this house, um, we had this director, you know, um, guy probably in his 40s, um, you know, he's he's well known in the industry. Um, so he's there and he's directing the cameras. And he's the guy saying, you know, hey Ben, go in for a single shot, you know, like that. Um, and he's got some portable monitors and walking around. And um, the guy by day two was so like emotionally upset being on this property, he was crying. He was in full tears on location. And he quit the next day. He said to me on the side, like I was like, are you are you doing okay? Um, and he was like, you know, I've never felt this bad. I feel so bad. I gotta get out of here, Jen. I, I just, I gotta get out of here. And I was like, okay, I hear what you're saying. It feels really bad here, I, I do. But yeah, he, he quit and um, the director of photography or the, you know what it was, the executive producer had to take over directing. Um, and the guy just left mean. Well, it sounds like,
2: uh, sounds like he was quite sensitive to that type of energy, and you start to, uh, you know, feel it, it. It's tough for some people to go through that.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was unbelievable. That was really something. And then, um, yeah, and then one of our camera operators on Paranormal State also, and it, it was a different time, but he had a um, different location, different shoot. Um, he had seen an entity in a stairwell. Um, you know, same thing, you know, guy's guy, um, known in the industry, totally, you know, the type of guy that's not going to really be be phased easily let's say and um sees sees like a he described it to me he just said he was shooting in the stairwell um following i guess either chip coffee the the medium or I forget who he was following but um he just said he saw this entity like and it, i think it was a bit shadowy i think it looked kind of scary um turn and just look straight at him and he just got lost it like he got out of the building he was crying you know he's telling me the story later and just practically crying telling me about it um that was another one where he was he stuck with the show he didn't quit but but it was something that i know changed his mind about the paranormal and then changed you know kind of life-changing a little bit after something like that
2: it certainly is a position that uh i guess you're kept on your toes at all times so Mm -hmm. well we have to take a commercial break already so i'm going to ask you both to hang on john when we come back we want to hear about the experiences that your family went through and and your experiences in uh coming out with an investigative team and uh what you thought of that so stick with us we're going to be right back sounds great Hey, it's Mark Hayes from Paranormal Science. Did you ever get that feeling like you have a thousand demons tearing at your back? You know the pain. Are you uncomfortable in your own body, like you're possessed with somebody else's torment and suffering? You don't need an exorcist. You need chiropractics dedicated to providing the best chiropractic and rehabilitative care possible chiropractics will get you back into the body you remember chiropractics 569 pierce street kingston pa check them out on the web getchiropractics.com t-i-x on the end or call 570-288-5800 and get back to living Welcome back. You're listening to Paranormal Science on WYLK. Tonight we're talking with producers John Crenny and Jen Gazelle about uh, basically having a, a view from the other side of the camera uh, on paranormal shows. And, uh, John has had some of his own, uh, paranormal experiences or his family has had some, some paranormal experiences at their home. And John, uh, what did you think when your family came to you and, uh, you know, said, Hey, listen, we think we have a little bit of something going on here. Uh, this wasn't a home that, uh, you lived in at the time, correct?
1: It was not a home I had lived in at the time, but I, I had lived there. So my family moved into this home when I was uh, 19 years old, and I was out of there by the time I was you know, 23, 24. And while I was living there, nothing ever happened. You know, nothing supernatural, nothing paranormal. I never got a weird sense of things. And, uh, you know, it's funny because Jen was saying that she was raised Catholic, so she has a healthy skepticism of these kinds of things. Well, my experience was completely different. I was raised Catholic in a Catholic school. And, uh, you know, so from the time I was six years old, I had nuns telling me that this was real. So I was always on the lookout for, you know, crazy things like that and uh, never experienced a a single one of them so you know a a few years ago my family started telling me that uh, they were experiencing strange things in the house and it it started you know, pretty innocently, there'd be a bang, there'd be a weird noise, Um, something would be moved. Uh, The dogs would get out of the backyard somehow when they wouldn't have been able to open the gate or shouldn't have been able to open a gate. So, uh, you know, gradually these stories started to become more intense where people would, you know, start to feel very uncomfortable in the house and and certain guests who were spending the night would would leave the next morning and, and say that they had experienced, you know, strange things they'd heard voices or, or even, you know, some people had felt things on them. Um So over the course of time, I sort of started to give this more and more uh, credibility. But I have to admit, at first, I just thought they were, you know, letting their imaginations run wild, and I didn't take it very seriously. Um, And Jen and I were working together on a TV show uh, for MTV. You had mentioned it. It's called Made. And, uh, you know, we were just telling stories one day, and Jen... uh, was telling me some of her stories from uh, Paranormal State and those shows, and uh, I told her some of the things my family had been experiencing, and she said, oh, oh no, Uh, this is not a joke. All of these are textbook signs of of a haunting, and uh, yeah, so I started to take it more seriously, and we still didn't Act on it at all, um, but my family had more and more stories. You know, um, my my sister, who was living in the house at the time, had had uh, a baby, and uh, the baby was lying in its crib, and uh, all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, the baby along with her blanket was on the floor of the bedroom. So this is something that would have been physically impossible for the baby to do herself. No one else in the house would have done it, Um, but somehow the baby was able to get out of the crib uh, or was moved out of the crib. And yeah, when it started to become, it started to look like, you know, maybe things, the children were experiencing things, that's when we decided to, you know, try to get help.
2: And, you know, that's interesting. We had another case, uh, very similar activity. There was a baby there that had been in a bedroom upstairs sleeping and the family went up to check on the baby and the baby's not in the crib. And they searched the upstairs and, and found the baby two bedrooms down on top of a bed. And you know, literally they thought they were losing their mind. And I'm sure that's probably kind of what your family went through because it's impossible for for this little tiny baby to be able to move by himself or herself. Mm -hmm. So, uh, at some point, uh, there was a decision made to have a paranormal team come in and, uh, you know, we were, you know, honored to say that, uh, the, the PPA was chosen to come in and help you guys out. And, I'm curious because I don't ask this question to our clients, but did you have conversation with your family or what was your personal thoughts about having a team come in? Did you you think that was going to be kind of bizarre? Didn't really know what to expect.
1: I had floated the idea uh, a little bit. Uh, you know six months or a year before you guys actually came out so i kept saying you know you guys have got to do something and they'd be telling me these stories in the light of day and i really do think there's a psychological difference between how scared you are you know when it's 3 a.m and you're the only one in the world experiencing these you know heart-stopping things and the way it feels when you know it's four o'clock the following afternoon and you're surrounded by people and the sun is up and you're telling these stories you know as you hear yourself tell them i think my family started to feel silly so i was you know kind of results oriented and i was saying things like you you have to do something here um this can't continue children are involved, you know, all those kinds of things. And I I think my family was reluctant at the time, you know, it was, it was my mother and my sister and, uh, they were not into the idea. And it wasn't until, you know, many months later I said to them, listen, uh, do it for me, and I, I basically—you uh, know—I I mentioned we were raised Catholic. I used Catholic guilt to get them mm-hmm. to agree to have a, a paranormal team in, and uh,
0: yeah, we went from there. I think the other thing too, I just want to say, is like I—I I think we were able to say, "Hey, look, these are people Jen has worked with and knows and um, trusts." So I think that helped a little. I mean, don't you think, John, a little?
1: I think absolutely. And, and Mark, you know, your day job certainly helps with the credibility factor, you know? Um, so, you know, you have a certain gravitas that other people who come less highly recommended don't. So I, I think that was a big, uh, a big help in getting over that, that psychological hurdle of bringing in a, a paranormal team, uh, to your home.
2: Well, what's great, too, with the way our our team works, we do a technical investigation and and we're checking for environmental factors, but we also work with the psychic medium. And, uh, you know, a lot of uh, technical or more scientific teams don't like to do that, but we like to study what a psychic medium does and can a psychic have an impact on the environment that they're working in. So it's uh, sort of a two birds with one stone kind of a deal. You're getting, uh, you know, a technical investigation and a metaphysical investigation at the same time. So what was it like when you experienced working with the psychic medium you and Jen were there you got to see the technical end of it and you got to see what it was like for a medium to come in with absolutely no prior information on the people or the location that she was going to and and Virginia Centrillo came down and worked this case with us so um you know, she comes in cold, and and she also, I believe, brought up some personal information for you and Jen during the course of the night.
1: Absolutely, she. Uh, it was it was really, really uh, something to see, because um, Virginia came in, and and you know, my plan for the evening was to sort of, you know, be respectful of of everyone and their time, but also to you know keep my keep an open mind. So I wasn't a full on skeptic, but, you know, I was looking for, you know, if, if there's a tell, if, if things weren't on the level. So, you know, for instance, Virginia had a lot of information and some of it was things that you could Google. So she, you know, one of the things she kept saying was, uh, why am I getting night, night. Well, we were right next door to a park called Knight's Park. That's something that's, you know, you can find uh, on a map. Right. But it was very, Quick um, before she was saying things that are not online and that no one knows outside of our family, you know, describing um, family members who are deceased, not just saying their name, but, you know, giving, you know, describing them, picture, you know, things where their picture is not online, things where, you know, they wouldn't have access to this information anywhere. Um, so, I went from being a skeptic or, you know, uh, agnostic to being uh, as close to a full believer as you can get uh, over the course of, I mean, not very much time. We're talking 15, 20 minutes. Um, So that was really, really interesting. Um, And and sure enough, she had lots of personal information uh, for Jen and myself. Um, We had just recently booked a trip to Paris, and No one knew this. We hadn't told anyone this. And and one of the things she turns to me and says, what's what's this about Paris? Tell me. Tell me about Paris. And, uh, you know, our jaws dropped. And then we finally recovered and said, well, uh, funny you should mention it. We are going to Paris. And this was something I hadn't told my family, uh, you know, it it wasn't something that we had announced on Facebook, you know, unless, uh, Virginia was somehow able to get a hold of our credit card records, which I'm sure she wasn't able to do. There's no, uh, you know, way that she would be able to discern this. Um, so, you know, we, we bought in, uh, pretty early on. And, uh, yeah, and then just watching her work was amazing. She knew so much about everything that was going on, and uh, yeah, and and there was a, a resolution to the case.
2: And you know, one thing that, uh, and I don't know if you guys were actually uh, uh, paying attention to this at the time when, when I first came in and, and sat down with your mom and sister, but... Uh, I always, during the introduction of our team when, when we arrive, sit down and talk to our clients and I tell them we're working with the psychic medium. Uh, we look at her information objectively. We ask that the clients do the same. and. Anything that could be looked up on the Internet, we ask that they ignore that stuff. We're not interested in generalizations or general things going on around town. Virginia usually picks up on it, but we want very specific, particular things to you and your family and what's going on inside the house. And uh, I think in this case, she did a, a very good job on that. And... One thing that uh, I like doing the technical investigation to back up what she says, she can often find areas of uh, EMF, these electromagnetic fields, and then we can go and back that up with, with meters that will measure these fields. And in in your mom's house, we actually did find large amount of EMF fields in certain areas, and we found historically that when you have these high fields and there is activity present there, that it seems to magnify that activity, and, and that's, I think, one reason that uh your your family was experiencing so much where in a home that didn't have such high fields you went might you might not have quite as much activity there
1: Right. And that's one of the things that I learned uh, from working with you guys is that, you know, obviously the physical evidence is very difficult to obtain and you're not going to get, you know, you can have cameras out for, you know, days and days and weeks and months and years, uh, and you're not necessarily going to get a ghost on camera. But there are these other indicators um, that, you know, suggest that paranormal activity could take place in these right set of circumstances. and, yeah, my family's house had those, uh, had those EMF fields, and sure enough, where the EMF fields were, you know, were uh, gathered is where a lot of the activity had, had taken place.
2: And, uh, you know, I've always said three great things, uh, you know, to make a a good resolution team. You have a technical investigation, a credible psychic medium, and a historical researcher. And if you can get evidence by all three that seem to align, then you have a a perfect investigation there. It it really works out nicely. Now, um, in your case, um, in your family's case, you said that there was no activity before and and we often get asked this people will say well the family before me had absolutely no activity here and when we first moved in we have absolutely no activity but all of a sudden we have this activity you know how could that be possible and uh, I think what Virginia came up with in this case in part was that uh, your sister had lived in an apartment where there was an active um, haunting there and she was sensitive enough where she she was able to pick that up Or this, this ghost was able to connect with her And, and realize that uh, she was open And kind of connected with her And came back with her So when she moved in with your mom The activity there then started And uh, that's just that, one way that, that a haunting will start
1: that's exactly right, and it also explained for me my big question, which was I lived in this house for years and never experienced anything. And you could chalk some of that up to me just not being sensitive or, or whatever. But you know, there are other people in my, in my house who weren't particularly sensitive who were experiencing all kinds of things. And uh, yeah, the the explanation that Virginia was able to come up with was that yeah, I had moved out, and then at some point after that, my sister moved out. lived in a place where she did. She picked up a a spirit and then moved back into the house and brought all of this activity with her. And because she was sensitive and because there was this uh, spirit, that was kicking up all this other activity. So it would just become, it, it sort of fed upon itself and became more and more, uh, you know, it, it was a bigger, um, uh, more dramatic effects to, uh, you know, the haunting. So uh, that, was, that was when I said to myself, this makes sense. And it clicked, you know, the, the story of how this was able to happen. Absolutely.
2: And I'm glad that we were able to bring resolution to that case and and hopefully give some peace to your family and and the kids living there. That's your comfort zone, the place where you're supposed to be most comfortable. And uh, it's tough when you have something going on like that and you're not sure who it is. But uh, we have to take another short commercial break, so we're going to ask you both to hang on, and we're going to be right back in a few minutes. You're listening to Paranormal Science on WYLK.
3: Warning, this program may contain material that is controversial to some listeners. Spontaneous enlightenment may occur.
2: Welcome back. You're listening to Paranormal Science on WYLK. So, uh, Jen, we're going to jump back to you. And uh, I I don't know if you would be present for any of this, but uh, when people are interviewed for... um, positions working on a paranormal team. Um, do those people, are they, I guess, are they made aware of, uh, the, uh, the potential scares, shall I say, dangers of paranormal going into it? And, uh, you know, John, I might jump back to you here. I think, uh, I might've lost Jen. So if we can have her call back in, but, uh, John, you're still with us. I'm still with you. Okay.
1: Um, So, uh, you know, uh, from what I understand, and uh, uh, I have it on pretty good authority, that they are not necessarily made aware of physical danger, but they're asked things like, you know, do you scare easily? Does this sound like something you would want to do and sound like something you could handle? Um, You know, the people who work on these shows, and and I've spoken to many of them uh, over the course of my career,
3: Oh, you just left. Um,
1: they're usually pretty skeptical in the beginning, and it's just like Jen's Ark by the end or you know by the end of their first shoot, they, they buy in and they completely um, yeah, they completely go with what's going on there. I, you know I think it's just one of these things where once you experience it, um, you can't really be skeptical in the same way you were before.
2: Now, you had a chance to come out with us on uh, another investigation. This was a confidential location, uh, so we can't dis- disclose the, the the place we went to, but um, th- this one was kind of right up your alley because, uh, if I remember correctly, you are really into the uh, uh, older abandoned building type of uh, settings. Is that correct?
1: For sure, for sure. Uh, we So we were in an abandoned building, and... Uh, yeah we were just sort of uh, I mean I'm not sure how much you want to say about it but it, there there was some activity and it was you know a, a pretty standard investigation um, until we started seeing things that were not very standard uh, for instance um, and this was I had been on the investigation at my parents house uh, at this point so I kind of knew how you guys worked and I felt like oh you know uh, I can handle this and then at one point, Virginia starts seeing black masses, and she says, Oh, hold on. I just want to make sure it's not death. And at that moment, uh, I looked around to see if anyone else's facial expression had changed. It hadn't. And uh, I felt very alone because I knew that, uh, you know, it's one thing to have a little bit of a haunting, this or that. I don't want to meet death in an abandoned building uh, somewhere in Pennsylvania. <laughs> so uh, it was it was certainly uh, it was up my alley, but uh, that was the one where it made me sit up and take note.
2: Now, for sure. both of you might be able to comment on this because I, I noticed it personally. But we were at this location during the day. And even though it's, it's old and, and it's run down in, in most of the, the places, uh, most of the rooms that we were in, the hallways, um, when night fell, it sort of takes on a whole new feel. Would you agree with that?
1: Absolutely. Oh, yeah. It was, oh, it was fun sure. during the day. Um it looks like we have Jen back, but uh I it was fun during the day because hey, you get to play in this abandoned building and then at night certainly the uh the vibe changed. Would you would you agree that, Jen?
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was uh, very very different at night. Um Yeah, it's one of those things like sort of like you were saying earlier John about um you know, broad daylight, we can talk about these things and and be in the the buildings, and uh, feel a lot different than dead of night when Virginia's you know making sure that that figure isn't death. Um, <laughs> that'll freak that'll freak you out a little bit, definitely. Um, that place
2: was amazing. Yeah, and to, you know, um, um like during the go day, to. the way I sort of look at it during the day, it's almost like taking a historical tour of a location, and mm-hmm. then uh, you know the darkness falls and, and things kind of get a little bit creepy. And it doesn't mean that there's not stuff going on during the day because uh, you know we've had a lot of reports at this location during the day. But Jen, you actually had a um, an experience in in one of the rooms. Uh, of this building. Um, and, and you were yeah, working the yeah. camera at the time, I believe you were doing uh, a little bit of, uh, videotaping. And so two questions here, I guess. Tell me a little bit about the experience and what you thought of that. And then have you ever had, or anybody on your team had, uh, while they were, uh, you know, videoing or, or doing the sound or whatever, had they have, you know, the, the, experiences themselves as compared to, uh, the, the investigation team that's out there?
0: Yeah, definitely. So um, for me, um, I guess being um, at these locations over the years, doing a couple different paranormal-based shows, I started to try and tune into what the difference is, like what it feels like to me. so you know, uh, if a family has described a, a very harmless ghost that moves stuff around and hides their keys, and you know that feels very different than something that's like a menacing entity where one of the Warrens is telling you to stay away. Like that feels so different, and like the only thing I can you know equate it to is like like cold and hot, or you know I don't it, like. Um, different ends of magnets or something. It's so hard to, to put into mm-hmm. words. But I started, like, noticing, okay, like, this feels different than this. So um, when when something feels, like, not good, I'll get um, almost a little emotional, Um it's just kind of the way it, like, hits me. So we're, we were there, and um, we are in this one room where it seemed like there was a lot of activity. Virginia had just sort of seen at least one spirit or, or shadow, like, flash past her. I, I, maybe two. Maybe two different entities were kind of, like, around from what I remember. And, um, yeah, I just felt sort of like... Um, chill um it got super super cold and um I definitely felt like emotional like not good like I had been kind of zapped almost um or like gotten like a a whack by something on the other side that was like not so happy that we were there um and it just kind of it, it doesn't I guess it doesn't, like, really uh, freak me out anymore. I just kind of can recognize it and be like, okay, yeah, that was something. Um, definitely, because it, it feels different than it does the rest of the, the night you're, you're there. Um, and then, yeah, I think working on, oh, I've got a good one for you, Mark, from, from working on uh, what Paranormal State, that was. Um, am I still with you guys?
2: Yes, let's hear it.
0: Okay, just make it short. I've lost the line a couple of times before. Um, So we're in the middle of an investigation. Um, Chip Coffey, the medium, was working on this one with us at a house in Allentown, PA. Um, And this this teenage girl who lived in this house um, was having all kinds of experiences. Um, And then the mom had also seen, we we were seeing some like black mist in this house. you know, it was, uh, it could have been a bit of a mixed bag of what was there. So we all listen in to the audio um, that's happening with the cast. We have this thing called ISB where it goes into your ear um, as a producer and I can hear all the audio that's happening in another part of the house. So we're all listening on ISB and they're doing what they called dead time, which. Is when they, you know, turn off all the electronics, um, lights, everything, and try to communicate with the spirits, and right. it's sort of a, a bit of a séance or communication. Um, yeah, I'm sure people don't say séance. anymore, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, they're communicating with the spirits, right. and, um, and 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 we all hear. I heard it clear as day, um, a child's voice, like singing. On the, on the ISB. Um, there are no children in this room. They're all adults. Um, I don't, if I recall, I don't think the people who were in the room heard it. But we all heard it on the, on the. In, I mean, clear as day in my ear.
2: Yeah, and that's one of the um, questions I was going to ask, if they, they heard it uh, with their ears at all in the room, if it was just over the electronics.
0: I don't think that they did. Um, or maybe Chip did, but, like, some of the crew didn't. Um, it might have been very faint, but it was really interesting. Those are one of the, you know, one of the times that I'm like, okay, that was insane. You know, that was really crazy. Um, and then the other big one was when uh, my friend Trevor saw that spirit in the, in the in the stairwell. and just came out, just barreled out of the building, and uh, was really upset by that. Like things like that get you know, a lot
2: of, you know, like we were saying earlier, electrical problems and, and things like that. Yeah, and that's um, one of the, uh, the the problems with uh, doing some technical investigations, and, and I can imagine definitely while out trying to produce a show and film, is paranormal events do cause a lot of electrical problems, so all kinds of glitches and battery drains, static, and just a lot of weird anomalies. Yeah,
0: it's it's so interesting. Um, and then, you know, I, I'm still learning more like John said about the electromagnetic fields and how those relate because it it seems like so connected.
2: Yep. And uh, if you dive into physics, they will tell you everything is an electromagnetic field uh, just on uh, different vibrations. So it it makes sense. And, you know, it's just a matter of finding which frequency it is and having the equipment to be able to measure it. And hopefully that will come and we'll be able to detect uh, a little bit better when an event is going to occur and kind of narrow in on it a little bit better. Uh, John, I want to uh, just jump back to something you said earlier and kind of comment on it. Sure. I, I thought it was kind of neat where you said that uh, you you were uh, kind of schooled uh, with, with a lot of Catholic nuns who did say a lot of this stuff went on. Uh, I, I have a, a lot of uh, uh, Catholic uh, clergy that uh, I have spoken to and, and have become friends with. And, and uh, you know, they don't openly discuss this, but they will say that there are a lot of, uh, you know, rectories and other areas where you go for retreats that, you know, they they believe are legitimately haunted. So, I'm sure. Just, you know, if you think about the number
1: of people who have lived in any given rectory, you know, some of these buildings are 100 years old. Some of them are older than that. Um, you know, it makes sense that, uh, you know, some people will have passed away there or, you know, a lot of things, uh, you know, happen over the course of that amount of time. So I'm sure... Um, You know, in an old building like that where people spend so much of their time, um, things crop up.
2: Yeah, and and, in fact, one of the guys on our team actually was going to school to be a priest for a little while, and then he discovered he liked girls too much and went (laughs) a a different route, but uh,
0: he's
2: he's got a lot of stories, so, uh, you know, a lot of different views out on that, but, uh, you know, know, even within any particular faith, uh, you have a lot of different opinions, but there are a lot of people who will openly discuss it, and some not so openly discuss it uh, and and tell their stories, but uh, nothing, I haven't heard anything in in a negative. Manner uh, with any of the uh, the, the religious uh, locations, and uh, I'm hearing the music playing, guys. So that means we're out of time. I want to thank you both so much for coming on the show tonight.
3: Yes, thank you. Oh, thank you so for much having for having
0: us.
2: And uh, you know, I, I wish the best for both of you. I, I know you're uh, working on a, a new project, and uh, you know, best of luck with that, John. Your new show that's coming out, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Sounds great. Thank you, guys.
0: Thank you, guys. Great talking to you.
2: Have a good night. All right, folks, that's it for me and Stan. We'll see you next week. And sleep tight.